Joe presents Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby, together with Guinness. Hello and you're very welcome to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby here on Joe together with Guinness. We have a seriously good show coming up for you today. We are going to be joined by uh, former Waratahs Australia and Toulon winger Drew Mitchell. We'll also be talking to Connacht and Ireland second row Ulton Delan, who is doing some great work with an animal charity during this COVID-19 crisis. Uh, Ulton will also help Trimby and I talk through uh, our game of the weekend, which was Ireland versus South Africa. Uh, in the first test in Cape Town in 2016, which both the boys were playing in. And also we've got our classic album, which is Justin Timberlake's Justified. And I will justify picking it. Don't you worry. And for those of you out going, oh, Justin Timberlake. Uh, I'll justify it, don't worry. And also... That was my initial reaction. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know, I know. Pat, Pat nearly had a heart attack. Pat was like, oh, that's not real music. I'll show you. Uh, and uh, courtesy of a wonderful penguin, uh, we went with Midnight Run starring Robert De Niro and Charles Grodin as our classic film of the week. Um, penguins. Penguins are a huge part of my life now, just in general. It was World Penguin Day the weekend. Uh, you summed it up. You said, uh, to me. "You said it feels like every day is World Penguin Day." <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Every day yeah. there's some sort of massive reference to penguins in the world. Do you remember in Billy Madison that Adam Sandler film? Oh yeah, where that was a great <laughs> film. We should, we could potentially review that, where he keeps seeing this, he keeps hallucinating and seeing a yeah. penguin all the time. And he's, and he's like, like oh, I'm so sorry to interrupt. <laughs> <laughs> I see what's going on here. It's just this giant penguin. <laughs> yeah. He's still a penguin. That's what I feel like. I'm like, Orla, you've seen that penguin as well as me. Or just me. <laughs> um, but I welcome it. I welcome the penguins. There was like, Orla was watching a fil- our film the other day or a TV show. I don't know what it was. And I walked in and there was a massive uh, climax at the end where it was all about how amazing animals penguins are and how they're so loyal and uh and mm. the most um yeah most loyal and honest trustworthy animals out there so fair play we've got now about four artists i think involved um yeah. and just constant supply of um movie and album recommendations right we've got a serious show look tell me about your week how's your week been going um, quick uh, cat update. Um, uh, all of the the lesser cats have fallen by the wayside, and um, Ginger has won our affections more so than anyone else. Um, and she's been growing in confidence more and more. She's made her way into the house on a number of occasions. And we started off by saying, "Jack Molly, do not let that cat into the house. Don't feed that cat. Don't bring it into the house. Just laugh at it and maybe pet it at a stretch." the cat has pushed the boundaries more and more and Anna's pushed the boundaries and the kids to the point where I'm just expecting to come into the house one day and are you sleeping with Ginger? <laughs> <laughs> like Pat Mustard from uh, from uh, did we mention him already? I feel like we did Pat Mustard from Father Ted he's just going door to door other any other updates in your week? Yeah, been um, busy. well, sorry, well, I think we sickened the cat. By the way, I think we might have seen the last of the cat because kids were upstairs, and it's been great. We distraction, got rid of the kids for for half an hour, and they just play with the cat upstairs. We don't know what's going on, but there's an awful lot of noise, a lot of racket, and things falling over and screaming and shouting. 
And then, <laughs> and then Ginger just walks through the kitchen on on her way out again. She just looks at us. She's like, stop. With the, midi cab- with the MIDI cable hanging out of her arse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and a microphone. <laughs> so, so we might have, we might have seen that. I would definitely put her off. So anyway, a little bit of an update. We did I did a Vodafone gig on Friday, like a virtual gig. Um the like the, the corporate um get togethers for like um yeah, like corporate partners of Vodafone and stuff and um like Kate loads of kids and all. We did it with Murray, uh Handy and Andrew Conway and it was great, actually great crack. Something that came up. Uh one suggestion, there's there's no there's no rugby to speak of these days and people are getting desperate for like um, theories and and um, uh, and reporting on, on non-events, right? First of all, the Ulster players got um, uh, got a rap over the knuckles. Did you see this? It's all <laughs> for, tra- for training together. <clears throat> and then um, on, t- on Twitter, Twitter is an absolute cesspit. I've seen the best and the worst of it this week. Uh, the best of it was Roger Wilson. Um he replied to the Belfast Telegraph and said, you, it looks like you need me to get a proper story again. I don't know if you remember <laughs> yes, any of the proper I stories do. in the past. <laughs> and, then, and then the next day, Roger tweeted the Belfast Telegraph and said, um, psst, at Belfast Telegraph, you didn't hear it from me, but I heard some of the Ulster players are washing their hands with cold water. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's so, cool. so good. He's... Um, He's starting uh, up there a bit, but I, I also saw one non, well, sli- slightly more um, realistic rugby um, story was the potential of the Interpro Championship. But what they were discussing, I think it was on the 42, they were discussing um, how obviously different jurisdictions, Northern Ireland, Republic of Ireland, and they think if they get it all under one jurisdiction, then it'll be more likely to happen. So they're suggesting that um, Ulster relocate to Dundalk. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure what the Ulster support base is like in Dundalk. I wouldn't have thought it would be that strong. Nah, it'd be great. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then so we were talking about this in the Vodafone thing with Handy, and Handy said, "What about if um, the British government approved it and the Republican uh, the Republican <laughs> government didn't? Then we might get everybody into Northern Ireland for a round like a round robin of interproofs." Yeah. And we were suggesting uh, where would we locate <clears throat> Munster and Leinster, and I like the idea of 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 Leinster who are used to D4 nice and posh stately locating in the crappiest part of Northern Ireland that we can find <laughs> <laughs> or somewhere very loyalist actually yeah um, I, I, we, I don't know where we'd go you tell me I've no well, experience we were going to put you we were going to put you and uh, Munster and Leinster to Straban and Larn, two places <laughs> and right. the, only, the only issue is there so I was kind of slagging Larn, but Larn's not far from my house to be fair <laughs> yeah. i'm probably in i'm probably in the catchment area for lauren so if they stayed there long term then jack would be playing mini rugby like under lesser rugby jurisdiction <laughs> so, okay yeah i'd probably end up being a lesser supporter which i'm happy i am time for a change i've been also supported long enough i think oh no never say that you reckon no, time for a change i'm very open-minded We're, we've got to be journalists we've got to be neutral now barry that's true although i was fashioned re- I was I thought that I was watching the 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 back the Pro Twelve final from the uh, what was that 2016 Connacht versus yeah. Leinster and I was so good. still like to this day going for Connacht. I was yeah. trying to watch it with an inch. I was like, go on, Connacht. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that lever died. <clears throat> Connacht got very cocky 
that year though i i felt like they got way like really far ahead of themselves really quickly and with a year of Connaught dominance straight away i disliked Connaught as much as i, I disliked leinster for years <laughs> remember you saying that before yeah. yeah and then um the following season Connaught just the the rug was pulled out from under them they were back to being terrible again they got beat by in the first game of the next season by glasgow at home bonus point to glasgow and i was like oh i'm so glad <laughs> Normal service is resumed and Connor crap again. <laughs> <laughs> I will get on to Dylan on a while. We'll, t- we'll, we'll, we'll see what he makes of that. Don't tell him I said that. I'm definitely going to tell him you said that. <laughs> yeah, so that was my All week. Right. What about yourself? <clears throat> my week was uh, was good. I, I've, I've kind of got quite diligent with my... Uh, I've got some Barry's do's and don'ts. So like, um, I got quite good at... at at spacing out my time and 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 segregating exactly what I want to do in my week. Parenting, I've gotten quite good. I've realized that parenting really only comes down to about three hours a day where you have to spend quality time with them. The rest of it, they're just a you're just a cog in a wheel. They're just a cog in a wheel and it's all just cleaning nappies and and sticking things and feeding them and stuff and putting them to sleep. And uh and then the so I've got like an hour or two a day where I need to like yeah, dance for mm. them and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that's grand. I've that I've it nails. I don't know why people are giving out about that. It's it's a breeze. Mm. Two hours a day. It sickens me a wee bit. It sickens me a bit how how good you are at it and how little it takes out of you. Well, the rest is like I'm saying two 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 to three hours of quality time, and the rest is like seven hours of actual sh- lack of quality time. <laughs> literally, literally shit and piss um, and screaming. Um, and then my, my TV watching, I've had to kind of, um, call it a little bit cause I was getting a bit too crazy on it. Um, I have caught, but I watched the entire of afterlife, Ricky Gervais. Oh, I haven't two. got into that yet. Oh, you never watched the first season? No. <clears throat> oh, Jesus. Mary and St. Joseph. Don't watch it's it. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's just, it's so simple. So beautiful and very emotive and Ricky Gervais man he yeah. is unbelievable he's just one of my favorite human beings he's kind of like Tommy Tiernan he's like a, a treasure the world should treasure his brain I he's just, a little he's a little opinionated I find I love him in the Golden Globes and I love The Office and I loved Extras but I think um, a lot of the stuff that he's done by himself he misses Merchant I think he needs Steve Merchant Mm, yeah look I gotta give him leeway to be opinionated and do his thing because he keeps coming out with absolute gold and I I was a huge fan of his stand-up comedy as well Um, and uh, I don't know there's something so he he makes this this show is basically just a normal life this guy's just living in a little town in England and the I've characters seen, I've, I've in seen it. actually the first two or, three, two or three episodes actually now I think about it have oh, so that's my film TV oh that's my TV film so I, I, I've been taking on recommendations from so many people. Have you ever seen The Knowing? I think I texted you this, The Knowing by uh, starring Nicolas Cage. No. I think we all need to watch this. I just, I have such a such a horn for, I paused before I said horn there, but I said, I'm going to say it. Um, <laughs> I have so, such a horn for shit class movies. Do you know, there's nothing better than them. Shit, what, what, what other movies fall under that category? <clears throat> Like speed, would that be shit in class? Speed, well, well done, perfect example. So, uh, then exercise. I've started. I've joined this this uh, uh, thing that Johnny Murphy has set up, which is um, 
a charity run where you have to enter mm. a team of uh, X amount of people. And it's basically, I've got some, Pat's, Pat did some homework for me. It's uh, organized by the PSA Academies for Feed the Heroes. We're doing a five kilometer run within your team. So we've got a team of myself, Fla, Marcus Horn, Mike Sherry, Mossy, Ronan Amani, and Kyle Sheridan as our captain. And we have to do a, a five kilometer relay race and clock our time and hopefully now we've got three front rows in there which i'm pretty um worried about mm. and i'm also slow as a fucking funeral right now so um so that's worrying but it's for a good cause um and we're gonna have a few cans at the end of it yeah you've got so front rows but you've got flat, 5k like flat is not your typical front front row <clears throat> who else Marcus? no that's very one? true he's gonna be mike sherry Mm. Yeah, he'd be he'd be mm. fit enough as well. He'd be grand. You got no Mike yeah. bosses in there. Hor- <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Horn's getting the butt of the jokes, but I bet you he'll be fitter than most of us. And I'm calling spoof to so many five Ks out there at the moment. There's like people running fucking marathon time five Ks, like or like <laughs> Moses Kiptonui style shit. There's there's no way this people like my barber. I'm calling bullshit on my barber. He hasn't ran in about ten years, and he's putting up twenty one minutes for his uh, for his his five Ks. He's definitely taking little little sus little pauses along the way and having a fag. Oh yeah, you can, oh is that the way you would cheat? Is it? I think so. Yeah. Then we also we got married on Friday. We renewed our vows. Oh, yeah. Um, for you going more, through a rough patch? More charity work. <laughs> uh, we were we were to be fair. <laughs> no, we weren't. We were we're having a great time. We're, we're having a great time. And it was brilliant. It was like doing something out of the ordinary that could kind of mixed it up a little bit. Oh, I put frozen. on our wedding dress for a second part. I was thinking of doing that. <laughs> yeah, please do. Please do. I'll come back. I'll come back for part two with, with her wedding dress on. Um and so yeah, that was that was on Friday. We did that for uh for f- uh feed for the feed the heroes again. All right, okay, we've talked enough waffle. Um, we've got loads of guests to get on. We've got two guests. Um, we get uh, Alton Delan on all the way. I think he might be in Galway, although he's a Kerry man. Let's get him on and see what he's up to. You're listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. All right, we are joined by Alton Delan. Uh, where in the world are you and how is lockdown going? I am in Galway and... Uh... Lockdown is, yeah, it's livable at the moment, but getting quite boring. Oh, you've got the most impressive set of headphones that we have had on. <laughs> um, you're either flying a helicopter or you're working at a call center. Um, what's the sh- what's I, pr- I presume they're for gaming of some yes. sort. Yes, yes, it's my uh, computer gaming headset. <laughs> right, I'm just I'm one of those kind of nerds that's. Uh, has to wear the over your things. I think a lot of us, a lot of us do actually. So, how many current rugby players are gaming every night of the week? I presume the majority of them. Uh, yeah, I'd say about half or be a good half our squad probably be playing playing Fortnite. Anyway, that's the main, that's the big game everyone seems to be playing. I only got joined the buzz about three or four weeks ago, and I'm hooked. Oh, you're Sad a beginner. You're a beginner. You're learning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm atrocious, but it's just the, oh, it's really? the participation, the camaraderie. You know, <laughs> yeah. Counts. Such a club man. A, yeah, yeah. Is that a shoot? Is that a shooting game? You're just going around. Yeah, yeah. It's first person shooter, but uh, you said like there's this 
whole other side of the game where you have to kind of build, which is strange. But uh, so essentially, you build forts. That's why it's called Fortnite. But um, ah. yeah, so it's it's just a fun team game. Four four in a team maximum, and you you're trying to be the last team standing on this island of a hundred people. It's oh, it's four, Fortnite. I thought it was like a Fortnite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fortnite. Fortnite. No, it it's actually slightly Fortnite. more. It sounds slightly more wholesome than the you know, like. Myself and Barry's um, computer game generation would have been um, Street Fighter Two. More Street Fighter, yeah. Duck Hunt and, uh, was more as well. Golden. Thinking Duck Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> Not play Street Fighter as well. Street Fighter Four on the PlayStation. There's two more versions. No yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. They like graphics. Pretty, pretty cool. It was real. Oh. It was real 2D back then, wasn't it? But, yeah. Uh, tell me, it's still the same. It's Chung Lee and E yeah, Honda yeah. and Blanca, uh, R- Ryu and. Uh, it's, um, Ken. what's the demon uh, Akuma or some of that Akuma or some no. of that he might be new same. he must be no. new new, yeah. new signing new hey, signing hey new guy <laughs> Who, come here who's Ball the biggest rock. nerd of all the of all the the rugby players who's the the kind of champion of Fortnite oh who's sitting there with crumbs all over them all night just like killing you all slaying I reckon without a doubt Bundy is Bundy he key, yeah. yeah he's family man Family man, he's still, surprised. He's uh, he's for the he's for the cause of Fortnite. Yeah, he's he's donated a lot of hours into that. Right. He's class. Though. He's very good. Good. He's very. What very about good. um? It was Call of Duty. Would I I tried to get into Call of Duty. Is that died off? They don't do that anymore. No, I think no, I think it's that's gone huge again. I'm not playing it. I'm glad. Um, I'd say I'm not uh, mm-hmm. playing all the games. But uh, he's uh, no, sorry. Call of Duty is is quite big. They've they've a new game released and. Uh, I think there's some of the lads that are putting a lot of time into that as well. And Fortnite, cool. it's uh, there's not much to do these days. These days. No, <laughs> are, are you are you uh, are you isolating on yourself on your own on yourself? On your no, own? on myself. Yeah, there's a no, there's a, <laughs> it's myself, Dominic Robson McCoy, uh, who's who's plays with me every night, every evening. I'd say uh, my brother's here and uh, my girlfriend as well as Dom's girlfriend. So it's five. Oh, us. nice. Yeah, so okay. nice little nice crew mix. here. Nice yeah. mix. Yeah. yeah. What does your brother do? My brother studying computer science in Galway. And, uh, yeah, and then, you know, I, and he's joined us with all the home training we've had to do. So he's he's gotten a, a, a good buzz about trying to be a pro with us for the last uh, for for the whole pandemic. You know, so he's uh, he's gotten a lot out of this. Wait, did he play rugby as well, or does he play rugby? Yeah, well? he was. He was. He was. Uh, <clears throat> I. I People back home would agree he was he was actually a lot better than me when I was younger. But um, and he was a back a center. But uh, he did his cruciate when he was nineteen or yeah nineteen, and that kind of put it put, derailed his uh, you know his his hopes of rugby because he wasn't he wasn't quite in a in a setup with Munster at the time. So um, so yeah, he said he had to let that go a bit earlier than that than I did. Okay, so what's the training look like for you at the moment then? What are you doing? Um, we've we've had to our gym facilities pretty much have, has been divided between among the whole squad. So uh, luckily, there's just two of us here. So and with my brother, we can we can kind of spot each other, and we were given quite a lot of equipment uh, to to train at home. So we've got we, there's no excuse for us to do anything in the gym really here. Uh, we've got a nice little prison yard set up, <laughs> and uh, otherwise we have to do. Like getting running fitness is you kind of get, get need to get creative because the pitches are closed. So 
um it's nice to see those 5k challenges on instagrams you know to try help people get it get out running and get them i think yeah we were calling a bit of bs on some times there what are you <laughs> clocking for a 5k oh i'm atrocious I, I actually haven't done one yet i've done i've done a few 2ks though but like trying, trying, <laughs> trying to keep, okay. trying to keep it rugby specific because right. i've put on a bit of weight in this uh during the pandemic so i'd say uh running a 5k straight would be atrocious for me I, i'm i'm probably be mid 20s would be okay. wouldn't be great that's not, that's, that's fine not bad, man that's fine. that's fine jesus yeah um so you've got five around you i think there's talks of us uh maybe being able to allow 10 people into our lives if you could add five more people to your group who would you who would you be adding it's uh you put me on a spot and i haven't thought about that probably some of the boys because i haven't seen a lot of their faces in a while so it'd be funny to just have a little big zoom call here yeah, uh, very class. political, very, yeah. very, very politician style answer. Um, the Pro 12 final from what was that 2016? Was it Connacht mm. versus Leinster? Um, <clears throat> was on Saturday night, um, which I didn't watch it, but I watched it back last night, bits of it. Uh, I saw Owen McKeown tweeting that it was the first time he'd ever watched it. Um, yeah, really. Did you watch it for the first time or had you watched it before? No, no, it's, I saw it, uh, Jesus, sometime, it feels like the golden days. Uh, I watched it the uh, the day after we won. So what had happened was <clears throat> we uh, we played, we won, we flew straight back from Edinburgh to Knock Airport. There was a crowd reception at like 2 a.m. There was over, I think it was like 2,500 people uh, in, in Knock waiting for us at two in the morning uh we took all go up on this little stage and uh <laughs> one by one you know hold the trophy and all this and get a big cheer it was class and uh from there the bus took us to uh, galway where again for that from the drive to knock from knock to galway there was like bonfires on the road randomly lit up no way. And, uh yeah fans just waiting for the bus to pass it was it was class and i'd be down to sports crying back in the day like uh rewind five years and you you might have only had two thousand people at the, at, yeah. the, at the games but connor rugby just kind of kicked on loads didn't it in the the time under pat oh yeah it was huge i mean as well for me I only I kind of got going with Connacht when Pat came, um, so yeah. And I remember, I remember. I, I'm not I'm not too. I don't have too many memories of there not being many many much of a crowd unless it's unless it's a quiet game. But yeah, Pat's here really kind of went really kicked things off. It was uh, it's pretty incredible uh, what he got done in those few years. Yeah, it was a bit of a, an end of an era as well. After after beating Leinster, like you were just untouchable, and then you lost. Ali Muldowney, um, AJ McGinty, anybody else? Yeah, uh, Pat, obviously. I think Rodney, Robbie, uh, Robbie uh, George mm-hmm. Naopu, uh, Fionn Carr. There's a, a lot of players left, yeah. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it was, it, was, it was some years. Just looking back, I actually watched the uh, the Comic Monster game that year as well. It was like two or three games beforehand. and. Mm. We were just winning games in, mm. in, in pretty cool fashions that, that season. Um, yeah. At, at home, felt like we were untouchable. It was, it, was, it, was a, it was surreal. The two Glasgow games before that final uh, back-to-back at home was, were pretty special as well. And I, mm. I just I was saying to my girlfriend, I remember <laughs> Finley 
Balaam was celebrating after the final whistle on the bench, stood up on the bench and the things like this <laughs> small wooden bench that you could Google it. Uh, and he just falls straight off it, like standing up for the whole crowd on his back. It was brilliant. He definitely, he definitely thought he was doing the, the wrestler thing. He's obsessed with wrestling, isn't he? Yeah, he, yeah. He just, <laughs> he just stood it? straight up like that and they simply yeah. fall straight from under. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't he, he have... Straight up like... Didn't he create like a, a wrestler, like a wrestler uh, persona? Yeah. On YouTube? What, what was that? I was trying to tell Barry about this before and I couldn't remember. He's, he wants that to die down, you know, that, 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 that doesn't exist. Perfect. Uh, King Gleb. Yeah. He'll kill me for saying that now. Gleb. Uh, King Gleb. That's it. Yeah. It's pretty, it's a, it's pretty wonderful. He does look like a, like a token, a token wrestler that they'll throw in, like that can, that one of the more famous wrestlers can give a bait every wrestling. once in a while. Yeah, he loves wrestling. He's, uh, Finley, yeah. Finley, big flavor, Beelum, we call him. <laughs> Love it. That'll be his name. Uh, so uh, you're 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 far a far cry from Tralee now, and I suppose you haven't, <coughs> you, you can't head back home much. Um, an even further cry from Paris, where not a lot of people might know where you were born and spent the first seven years. Um, but then you swapped the Champs Elysees for the Aquadome. <laughs> And no. <laughs> some some swap by. <laughs> yeah, what was that? Uh, what was that like? Yeah, it was uh, horrible at first because you were leaving everyone you knew in in Paris. And I remember my my best friend was it was my cousin at the time who was born the same day as me in Paris. And I remember when we were leaving Paris, and he was at our apartment, and it just felt like you were leaving your whole life at that at that age. But uh, but now it was a great, it was an unbelievable move, and. We were so glad my mum decided to bring us home uh, because truly was brilliant. It was such a different change from the big city, you know, thing of Paris uh, to the countryside where we had a big front and back garden. We had pets that almost a month after we got we got home, cats and dogs everywhere. It was it was, it was unreal. It was class. That's that's really where our childhood kind of exploded at, you know. So it was it was, it was a great move. And and how long was it before you went to the Aquadome? Can you remember exactly? Was it no like, the, the the Aquadome? Have you been to the Aquadome yet? Yeah, I'm sure that... I went before we moved to uh, before we moved to to Because ah. uh, I've memories of it from before I was seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we'd we'd come over occasionally with my, my brother and I had a French accent at the time, very little, very little English, and we just <laughs> go swim in the Aquadome with the the wave pool for uh, for a couple of hours. It was, it was class. Trimby, you need to come to you need to come down here in your holidays, and we'll go to the Aquadome. Sounds like Waterworld in Port Rush. There you go. This is, the, <laughs> but it's the best ever. Um, we were talking. Actually, I was on a on a, a Zoom Monster Zoom table quiz on Friday night, and uh, Paul O'Connell was slagging Keith Earls that he would definitely come last. And he asked, he asked him, what did you once call the Sean's, Sean's Elisele? Sean's Elisele. And he said, the John de Slees. <laughs> How did you do that? Like? I don't know. And he did come last. Um, you mentioned your mom, Ellen. Sorry, now to, to, to bring this up. I, I know it's, a, it's a, a, a very tragic thing that happened. Your mom passed away in, in 2018. Um, I can't imagine how that has been for you and your brother. But um, can you talk us through how you're how you're doing? Is it tough at times like this? I know she was a, a huge part in your life, obviously, and your and a major influence on your career. 
Yeah, um, no, it was. I mean, as you, exactly as you expect, it was a it was a very tough time. Um, yeah, it's at a time like this. I mean, it's 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 over two years now, so I think it's that that the time has healed uh, in a good in a good bit in a good way. Um, and it's nice to have my brother here. I know she'd be happy to to see the two of us two together, together, yeah. and yeah, because we're actually enjoying each other's company. It's not like when we were younger always fighting and hating each other it's actually it's a symbiotic kind of relationship <laughs> um uh but uh no you know it's um i guess home home has become different because of that uh i, I miss home but i don't miss home for the same reasons i would a few years ago it's, it's just now it's now it's more nice to to be home and, and uh, link up with family um but yeah it's i, I guess i guess it's not a saying for nothing. Time does heal uh, all wounds, but uh, she is definitely missed. And uh, it's nice to, that my brother and I can still can talk about her in in, in good ways and, and and reminisce about good stories and funny videos we we found. And you know, so yeah. And she was she was a nurse, so I presume she'd be she'd have the sleeves rolled up and be stuck in uh, uh, at the at this time. And do yeah. would you would you be? Kind of in touch with many of her colleagues from from Tralee, like that. That are, yeah, yeah, no, at the moment. Uh, yeah, big time. Well, some of her friends would have retired by now. Um, but yeah, they're they're all lovely, lovely, um, outgoing people who uh, with with great stories as well. And and I, I it's it's unfortunate because uh, a bunch of her friends were I, I linked up with them at um, the anniversary mass there um, in February or January even. No, February. Sorry about uh them coming up a, a big gang of them coming up to a connick game some week some weekend at the end of the at the end of this season and uh put them up in some hotel and just it'd be nice for them to come up and experience the connick game at home uh yeah. so that's going to be put on hold until i guess the season gets back going and then it might suit them better but uh but that would have been nice otherwise yeah. otherwise it, uh, we, my brother and i are constantly saying that we need to we need to try um, meet some of our friends and have food together, just because it's 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 it'd be nice to catch up and just, do, do breakfast rolls and pints. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, um, and come here. You're uh, you're involved in a in a an animal welfare project at the moment called Madra. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Oh yeah. Um, well, I became an ambassador for Madra around December time because I love animals and dogs have been a part of my life since I was young, I suppose. Um, and uh, it's just, you know, I'm passionate, I suppose, about animal welfare and and trying to highlight some of the issues around uh, that, that animal charities, charities sorry, could be facing at this time, especially amidst COVID-19. So um, charities like Madra, for instance, have uh, three sources of income. Um, that's charity shops, fundraising events, or donations. And, you know, with charity shops and events closed for the foreseeable future, they're completely reliant on donations at this time. So to keep doing their, um, the, the good work that they do, such as, you know, working with COPE to, uh, to, uh, help people directly affected by the COVID virus who might need help with their dogs, you know, so, uh, any donation at all could be huge for them even something like a five euro a month donation 
um, through the mother.ie website, you know, you can trust it'll go to a good cause and uh, they'll put it to good use. Man. Trimby's more into cats these days, but... Um, Love cats too, man. Love cats. Do, yeah, yeah, me too. Me <laughs> I've too. been brainwashed. I, I, really? We had, dogs. we had dogs growing up. Yeah, I've um, been working on them. No, well, less so by you. Um, you're brain, right. brainwashing me into liking Justin Timberlake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, my uh, my wife Anna loves cats, really, and uh, just has no time for no time for dogs. Really, um, yeah. she's you gotta love both. Anna, you need to work on Anna. You need gotta love both, right? They're just different, but they're both mm. fun in, in different ways. They're exactly. different animals. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I'll need to. She, um, we had a. She she has a, like a jovial kind of like a almost like a defense mechanism to like obviously like a lot of people who grew up with dogs in their family, um, you know, inevitably dogs don't last that long. So you might not have one dog your whole kind of childhood. Anyway, yeah. we had a tragic tragic situation in our childhood <laughs> where um, my sister, my one dog we had used to throw, used to chase stones. My sister took this dog, Kerry, her name was out for a walk and threw a stone and the stone bounced onto the road and the, the dog went out the stone. Uh, dog oh, died. Awesome. Anyway, I told Anna this this story like, and we've never laughed about it, never slagged my sister about it. Anna was straight away like, why Why would you not slag your sister over that? Oh, God. <laughs> I had to beg and plead with her, please don't slag her. <laughs> that's heartbreaking. So that's, that's Anna's um, kind of Take on that's, the, that's her take the dogs and then she's just fallen madly in love with this this ginger cat that's uh, not even ours <laughs> really I love ginger cats though I, I nearly feel ginger cats are the, are the, are the nicest cats They're yeah just lovely so I, have, I have one here somewhere man really um, you yeah, have please, you've put that ginger cat to one side you probably don't even remember your cat's name Barry since it turned out <laughs> that cat's a no second class way, citizen man. he's my he's my one little kind of get away from the, these twins he's the only one that understands me yeah. um but come here while i have the two of you alton every week we've been kind of taking a movie and an album and a, and a game and reviewing them and this week the game that we were reviewed was south africa versus ireland first test 2016 ireland winning for the first time in Cape south Town. africa yeah. Cape Town. Both of you were there, so why don't oh. we just do that? We we usually do this at the end, but we'll do it now with you. Um, what's your memory going into that game? Were you confident? Like my, my you mem- were fairly, you were fairly depleted, right? Yeah, we'll go with you first. You were fairly depleted. They had, uh, I suppose, they weren't in in the best uh, time of South African rugby. Did you mm-hmm. sniff a chance to, to potentially make a bit of history? I just remember uh, Bestie before the tour. Uh, we had to do like media in Dublin. And uh, he, he just said, brought me to side. Like, oh man, if we if we win one test in South Africa <laughs> in Cape Town, we just lose our minds. <laughs> and that, like the motivation <laughs> that just flowed through me to to do my best to, to win for, for the team. Uh, that was some that was some game. Well, it was thirteen men, wasn't it? We CJ yeah, we got thirteen men mm. uh, for the last ten minutes of the first half. You were down to thirteen men. Mm. Um, and not only did they not score in that 10 minutes, but you scored a drop goal. And then like two minutes into the second half, Conor Murray scored. So for them, I think that was a huge moment for me that it was, uh, 
two minutes, you know, a few minutes into the second half, and not only were we ahead, but they didn't score at all in that period. Um, do you think that was Trimby? Was that a kind of a huge moment for you to come out of those that difficult fifteen minute patch? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Watching it back, um, CJ's red. It by twenty twenty standards, it probably looks slightly redder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Say, yeah at, at the time, I was like, "Geez, I didn't, I don't know about that," because he was in the air. Like, obviously, he can't change his body position. Yeah. But Pat Lamy kicked it, and then he took off, <laughs> targeting yeah. his chin he with his messed, yeah. messed him up. Like, yeah. Oh he, man, he, Patrick Lamy, I think he took a while to he yeah. took a while to recover from that. But yeah, it was rough. Did he? Yeah. And the crowd, yeah. t- crowd turned so bad on CJ. It was, it was. It was yeah, sad for yeah. CJ because he was yeah. like it was a big moment for him. Yeah. Obviously playing in South Africa, uh, another it was another it was a big moment also. Whatever about um, Alton how, how up for the game we were, CJ's dad was up for the game. I bumped into him <laughs> uh, in reception, and CJ introduced me, and his dad goes. I swear we're going to fuck them up today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a South African talking about us yeah. doing that for the Springboks. I was like, he is massively up for this game. Yeah, yeah, I should have played him instead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, some game though. It, it was, was an unbelievable game, lads. Yeah. What a game to watch. The, yeah. the last play was huge as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Right. Getting well, I, touched by what what trees. was he doing, to be yeah. fair? Yeah. He sh- he should have scored that. Oh, he was man. good. He played well though, to be fair. Like um JP Peterson was JP Peterson, yeah. Yeah, he, he went well. They just the kept dropping the ball. Strangest corner flag try attempt finish I've ever seen man he, <laughs> right. he could have just dove into the corner yeah, but he kind of yeah. <laughs> aimed at a player and tried to try to ball him over with the ball yeah. um, I think he just absolutely had a brain I think he rattled them man he rattled them early like mm-hmm. as bad as CJ's you know uh, you know had gone down to 14 men I think and then Robbie nearly taking the head off um, <laughs> yeah Yan- Yankees as well yeah, yeah. Um, they were like Jesus Christ these guys are They're vicious yeah, Alton, when you came on, you had some serious carries. Connor Murray, I, people say that the All Blacks game in Chicago was Murray's um, best game. I reckon this was his best game. He was phenomenal. Because mm. he, he, he had to play like an extra back row, right? Because, mm. you know, you're down a man and making, you know, serious cover defensive tackles, but making big shots as well. And I think, like, do, 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 uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think... At times like that, when you go down to so you know the thirteen men, the game plan goes out the window a little bit, right? So it's kind of you're playing a bit more instinctively. Would that be right? Yeah, I think so. A little bit, a little bit. We were so obviously I had to I had to go into the scrum, which I had a clue what I was doing, and I don't know if you well. noticed <laughs> at every scrum because because Joe was so obsessed with with patterns and, and where you have to be and what rock you have to be at. I was like. He he's not going to let me off the hook here just because of yeah yeah no no, no. <laughs> yeah. so I remember before every um, scrum that did you, I don't know if you noticed but I was like chatting to Jamie the whole time where am I supposed to go here what rock am I supposed to be in and then I didn't know how many rocks I should do before then I could go back into into the box so I was a nervous wreck the whole game Jesus, so, yeah. yeah but one thing that I remember and I don't think you quite get it on TV is just how amazing Newlands is it's an unbelievable oh, stadium it's so it's cool it's so it's so because it has it's it has tiers right so mm. it's not just a straight back stadium so even like the, the highest tier they're still quite on top of you 
Is that right? Yeah, yeah. It looks like it looks like a, like an apartment block. It looks like yeah. block after block, and it's just straight up, and it's amazing. Ama- it's an amazing place to play rugby. And I was thinking, Barry, if we get to go to the Lions next year, we have got to go to Newlands. <laughs> and uh, Pat, listen, if you're listening here, Pat, you can come with <laughs> us if you want, but we're definitely going. We're going. We're going. We're going. Yep. Um, okay, we got some place. <laughs> uh, I presume the there was... was that tour. Sorry. I remember. Um, Obviously, that was a big moment. Um, it was a shame that we didn't back it up, Alton. Like we went to, we were beaten um, oh, um, in Johannesburg the following yeah. week, and then yeah. just I don't know, like the altitude and the fitness, whatever. Screw um, Combrink when he came on, it was oh, insane. The destroyer, mm, or what do you call him? He called him the Punisher. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was incredible. He was it class, was a, wasn't he? Yeah. Like, and we kind of weren't prepared for him. Was it? Was the? Was the other thing? We kind of. They were on the profiles because we had mm. to study players before the game, but like we didn't think he was going to be that good. No, I know. I don't like he. He's a. Uh, I don't know much about him, but it was only afterwards we heard this guy rates himself. Like he's the sort of fella he. Ta- I think he christened himself um, the Punisher. He <laughs> 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 just changed the game, and then then we went to Port Elizabeth, and then we couldn't get a win there either. But um, oh. that tour was amazing. I really it enjoyed. It's probably my it's probably my favorite tour. And really. One of my, one of my lasting insane, memories. Yeah. One of my yeah, memories of that tour was two years before we'd been in Argentina and um we came back from a night out myself, Rory, um, Chris Henry, um, and Handy. And we, we were just like we were just wrestling, wrestling in the bedroom for like, <laughs> for like forty minutes. We were all exhausted, sweat, pissing off us. And then um I think Handy just remembers how much crack that was. We came in after the night out in um in Port Elizabeth, come back into the room. Um, I was just getting a wee bit sleepy. I wasn't really up. I went for in it. that room actually. Oh, you were there. <laughs> and I turned up in the morning and there was a bunch of you there. Yeah. So we went in and um Still going. I was like, I'm not really I'm not really up for a wrestle, Handy. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, he was trying to get me in the mood. So we just threw this chair and I was lying on the bed on my bag nearly asleep. He threw this chair and it just rattled off my shins. <laughs> he thought then that would get me up for it and get me wrestling, but it had the opposite effect. I was like, Andy, that was really sore. Why did you do that? <laughs> I'm going to sleep. <laughs> so that was it. Um, but uh, it was it was a night. It was, I think Andy had grand plans for that night, just to to wrestle off into the sunset, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and none of us could be arsed. Um, it was some sort of this class. Did yeah. you do the? Was it Cape Town where we went shark diving? Oh, that was amazing. That was that unbelievable. Was, yeah, we got, we got the plan was to go to go just go out to the cages uh, out to sea and, and uh, get in cages, see some grey whites, and then uh, I think it was Tiger or, or Jamie he, Jamie Heaslip. We were like, uh, "What about helicopter rides? Can we not just get like the helicopter rides to the to the sharks and then go on the shark like this pure <laughs> luxury trip?" And we're like, "That's gonna cost an insane amount of money." We're like, but and then they figured out, "Oh, just toss in our our per day allowance, put into the subsidize the helicopter rides, two birds one stone type of a thing." And it was insane. It was it was ridiculous. So you actually did that. You yeah, flew the helicopter it's, it's, down it's, to. Yeah, I know. I've been there. Yeah, it saved us an hour and a half on the bus. I think it was <clears> to get to the shark, to get to the boat. To to, so it was a this twenty thirty minute helicopter. Like we had a stunt pilot in our helicopter, and he was doing all these inverted flips and like skim swimming just above the sea, 
it was it was crazy and then like you were you, you it was like being on an amusement park ride for for 30 minutes and then you get to the shark dive and then it gets better again from there. Like, yeah, you could see the sharks as the helicopter was going along. The yeah, coast. you could see yeah. it like oh, the no sharks way. swimming oh, out behind the surf. Yeah, that was yeah, that was a luxury for sure. It's class. Great turn. Yeah. Well, look, <clears throat> you never know. We might uh, we might make it down there next uh, summer, and then Walton, that could be. Uh, would you Would you think the Lions is the target for you? Start with Connacht first, Ireland. Yeah, Connacht first, Ireland, and that's that's always the dream. So yeah, that's that's goal. That's the highest goal for sure. Cool. <clears throat> well, with fingers crossed for you, man. Um, <laughs> we'll let, we'll let you get back to gaming in the meantime. Um, uh, thanks a million for joining us. We really appreciate it. And uh, where can we get in touch with Madra? And where can people uh, donate if they, uh, if they want to? I suppose if you follow Madra on Instagram, you can see any of their updates, any of the dogs they'd like to rehome or even temporary home to to help them out because because they they do they do have a lot of dogs. Uh, but any donations would be hugely appreciated on Madra.ie website. Brilliant. Thanks a million, man. Look after Thanks, yourselves. Martin. Take care. Cheers, Thank lads. You. Cheers, lads. COVID nineteen or coronavirus is here. By taking a few simple steps, we can slow the virus down and help protect everyone. Wash your hands more often, for at least 20 seconds with soap and water. If you cough or sneeze, use a tissue or cover your mouth with your elbow, then bin the tissue and wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose and mouth, and keep surfaces clean. Distance yourself at least 2 metres, 6 feet away from other people, especially those who might be unwell. Stop shaking hands or hugging when saying hello or greeting other people. For updated factual information and advice, go to hse.ie or call 1850-24-1850. Protection from coronavirus. It's in our hands. Okay, we are delighted to be joined by Australian uh, for, and former Wallaby star Drew Mitchell. Drew, I'm going to embarrass you now for a second. Uh, 71 caps for Wallabies, 10 seasons of Super Rugby, two European Cups, top 14 with Toulon. And uh, uh, a highlight reel that I would highly recommend anyone watching. Um, does that all sound accurate? Uh, yeah, look, yeah, that's, um, yeah, I guess so. I mean, there's nothing more I can do anymore, I guess. It's, uh, that's one of those things, mate, when you, when you retire, that's, uh, nothing gets added to those things. So um, let's just run with that. Yeah. Well, look, fuck, I loved watching that that YouTube clip, man. There's some brilliant tries and um, the career goes back a long time. So some great memories there. But um, where are you now in the world and what's lockdown looking like for you? Uh, mate, I'm in, uh, in Sydney, Australia. Uh, I'm actually not too far from, uh, I guess, what was a bit of a hub uh, of this coronavirus, unfortunately, uh, here in Sydney, which is um, Bondo Beach is pretty much the, the suburb over from where I am. So obviously we got a lot of backpackers, a lot of tourists and, uh, and that type of thing, which, um, which meant that there was, at least at the beginning, there was quite a few cases of it. So it was all about just, um, you know, just locking yourself up and, and isolating. And, and for me, isolation is, is solo isolation. I'm, uh, I'm on my own here. So, um, you know what, it's, uh, it, it can be tough and it has been tough at times, but uh, speaking to some other people like on, on the phone and whatnot, um, mm. you know, I think there's, there's, no one's got a um, you know perfect case scenario, you know. I mean, sometimes guys with their, their loving wives and partners and kids, sometimes they get on their nerves and they wish that they were in my position. And there baggage, are times probably, baggage. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, there's probably times where maybe I wish that 
you know, maybe I was with their wives or their kids. No, no I'm kidding. But, um, Anybody's wife you know in particular? I mean. <laughs> well, look, I, let's just see how far we get to the chat. I might name a few. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, wow, solo isolation, man. That's uh, that's intense. What's uh, What are your days looking like? You, I saw on Instagram you're getting a bit creative. You've done a little bit of painting. Yeah, look, I mean, I think for me it's more about just um, keeping as simulated as you possibly can. And and look, by no means do I think that, um, or do I do I think that every day is going to be a good one? Um, you know, I think that can be a trap that we can all fall in. That every day is going to get progressively better than the one before. And and I think if we think that, then that's when you sort of get allow yourself to get down, perhaps even even more than you would have otherwise. Um, so yeah, I mean, like anyone, I think you have you have good days and you have um, you know some days that aren't so good. And and it's I think for me it comes down to just um, I guess the motivation and the discipline to to commit to different things and routine. I mean, we hear it spoken about so much during these times is about the importance of having routine, the importance of staying active, um, all those things. But the reality of it is, is just not going to feel like doing it every day. So um, the times where I find I can get myself up and train early, I usually have a pretty, uh, a much more productive day than, than those other times where I, where I sort of stay in bed and, uh, and find myself getting up around sort of 11, 11.30 in the morning. So that just means then that uh, nothing's productive throughout the rest of the day. But um, I try not to, to worry about having those days because, um, you know, I think it's, it's part and parcel of the, the, the current world that we live in. Oh, so um, you are, you, have you been a painter before or is, there, no. is this a new thing? You've, no. you, you, I've seen a painting you did on Instagram of John Loma. Was that your first ever painting? Yeah, that was my first ever. So, um, oh, look, if, if I'm being honest, it's my first completed piece. I was doing another piece. Um, of basically the i guess the the face of uh COVID 19 um barry i'm sure you've also seen memes of of big bad barry but i didn't feel, feel like i could post that one on on social so <laughs> i i changed it up and um and 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 uh and painted jonah lomo instead i'm i'm sure you guys know um barry I'm, anyone who's in a whatsapp group with a bunch of mates would have seen uh would have seen that gentleman so Absolutely. I, I thought I could maybe. You uh, did. You did paint yeah. him. Well, look, I've got. I'm, I've done the silhouette so far, but I thought maybe if I wanted to start showing people that I'm painting, I, uh, I probably shouldn't go through with that one. Uh, that is great. Now that is creative, man. That's that's <laughs> very creative. I would love yeah. to see that. Yeah. Well, um, it's it's in the making. It's in the making. I'd love something like that on my mantelpiece, to be honest with you. I don't know if my my wife would would agree to it, but well, um, you know, the the other unfortunate thing is uh, I, I got a gift from a friend of mine from school. Um, uh, you know, we've been mates for uh, I don't know, I don't know twenty odd years or something, and and I got this um, I got this gift in the mail, and it was um, a puzzle, like it was a, bo- a box of puzzle pieces, and an A four piece of paper with the photo of what it's going to be, and. Uh, yeah, it's big bad Barry, but so that's spread across my uh, that's spread across my my, uh, my my living room sort of bench top in the kitchen there. But as you can imagine, those pictures there's there's not too much variation, so all the pieces look pretty similar. Yeah, that's true. That's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's good. Cool. I didn't think it was, the, the conversation was going to go down this path, Hulls, but why not? Eh? I don't know. This is where we <laughs> like to go. Up. Um, so you're, you, as you said, you're not far from Bondi beach. Um, how were the Irish behaving for the first few weeks of lockdown on, on Bondi beach? Was it, uh, um, hard to get yeah, them look, in? Uh, yeah. Look, look, it was clipping them around the back of the head. Get in. Yeah. yeah. Irish. Well, it was more just difficult getting them out of the pub more than getting them off the beach. You know, I mean, <laughs> their fair skin doesn't fare too well out in the, on the, um, you know, on the beach for too long. So, um, but look, I, I think it, initially it took us a while, um, 
because I, I just I know I just think that people probably didn't take it as seriously as perhaps we should have um, because it was pretty much the, the point that turned our government to say complete lockdown, everyone's got to stay in isolation was was one really you know quite a nice afternoon um, you know weather wise and Bondi Beach was just packed with tens of thousands of people obviously not taking it seriously enough so that was almost like the the final straw for our government and they said okay from this point on it's uh, it's locked down and Things have started to get, um, to get a lot better and they uh, just uh, the, towards the sort of middle of last week they started to relax the laws and start to help, uh, start to allow people to go s- to swim at the beaches but more just for activity and, and uh, exercise. Um, but then again, uh, we, we abused it. Within one afternoon they shut it all back down again. So I just think, look, they've just got to lock us up for another month or so until we, we're well and truly clear because I think, you know, the, I don't know, like, allowing people to kind of get out and start to socialise and start to sort of, you know, get amongst the community again and then withdraw them from that again and pull them back away, I think um, I think it would just be a, 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 I don't know, a tough one for people to accept. So I think while we're in it, we all understand it. We, uh, you know, we're, we're getting by. So let's just stay in it for, you know, as long mm. as we have to to make sure we're completely past it so that the time that we do um, get to go outside and, and, and live the lives that we, we um, I guess, that we once remembered, um, that we don't have to come back into this. Trimby is in the UK, obviously up north here, and uh, uh, they're potentially going to allow people to see up to 10 people. Uh, you know, I suppose have a group of 10 people you can see more frequently. Mm-hmm. Is there talks of that coming in over there as well? Um, not quite at this stage. Um, you know, there's a couple of rugby league boys, well-known rugby league boys that just got in trouble over the weekend because they were you know, pretty much having the same sort of thing, a barbecue at the centre of their, um, you know, their closest, um, I don't know, friends and family, I suppose. Um, but they uh, they posted on social media and uh, now the police have investigated them and find them. And so I, I still think right. we're probably a little bit away from that. Um, hmm. And, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, look, it's, it's just it's just not worth the risk in my opinion. I just think, look, we're in it now. Until we really know that we're past it, let's just stay in it. And, um, you know, I, I think the... The hardest times are behind us, you know, it's that those initial few weeks, like really adapting to it, getting your head around that this is our normal and, um, you know, and understanding that you can't go and, and catch up with friends and family or you can't go to the gym or whatever it might be, um, you know, that we're doing it for something greater than just yourself, you know, like we, if we all just sort of stick to it then um, and stick to it for as long as we have to, then, um, you know, we won't have to find ourselves back in this position anytime soon. But um, yeah, I, I still think we're probably a little away from um, you know mm. sort of gatherings like that. Um, and then you're you've already signed for Rugby New York, Rugby United, is that it? Um, yeah, that's right, mate. Um, so is that what is it obviously put on hold for the time being? But uh, you're hoping to get over there sooner rather than later. Yeah, look, I, I hadn't considered um, playing again. To be honest, like it's been well, it's been almost three years now since I played my last match and. Um, it just around sort of the, it was actually the week of the World Cup final. I was up doing some work up in uh, up in Japan, and they reached out saying, "Look, are you interested?" Um, and of course, you know, New York. I mean, as I said, I'm 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 sort of I'm still by myself. I don't have a partner. I have to consider and, and to weigh into these um, these decisions. I don't have kids, um, so you know, it's a pretty easy one for me to make. Uh, you know, I grew up in a in an army family where I moved around a lot, which was then I guess in some ways paralleled in my career where I moved around quite a lot as well. So change is something I'm pretty comfortable with and, and new challenges. But, I mean, it's just one of the great cities of the world and, you know, to, to be able to go up there and, and play, um, play rugby again. Um, 
you know, just seemed like too good of an opportunity to say no to. And uh, so I started training to try and get back into some type of shape um, and, yeah. you know, varying degrees of success. I mean, depends on, on who you ask, I suppose. You've, but, got a, um, you've got a decent little training group together, I saw, with, uh, with Adam Ashley Cooper and Matt Kiddo. Yeah, yeah, well, that's right. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, Gitz, when he pops up to Sydney, he's based in Canberra now, um, but when he pops up to Sydney, we... We uh, we jumped down to the Oval and and, uh, and work out a bit. Adam Ashley Cooper because he was signed to play for uh, the Austin Gilgronies. So mm. uh, so he and I were just trying. We're pretty oh, much please. at the same point. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> we were at the same point in terms of training. So um, yeah, we started to sort of you know, punch out a few sessions. But uh, I got my visa. It was all approved. Uh, and then pretty much, and I I lodged uh, like I sent an email to my to my real estate agent asking to break the lease. And then a few days later, I had to email again to, to rescind my request because, um, yeah, I guess coronavirus happened and lockdowns happened and I, uh, I'm now just hold up, just waiting for things to, um, to relax a little bit and then I'll be uh, heading up north to, to the Big Apple. So you're looking forward to catching up with um, uh, Bastro again. Um, I, I would keep in touch with James Kennedy, an Irish guy from Limerick. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and he was telling me the negotiation process for, for Bastro was basically Bastro uh, DMing him on Instagram, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, emoji of the Statue of Liberty and question mark. And that was it. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, look, I mean, Boss is a man of few English words. So, um, look, and, and he's someone as well. I mean, like, you know, he's from Paris, so he's from the big city, uh, moved down to Toulon, uh, which is, you know, it's quite the opposite really. Um, so I'm sure he would have been, um, you know, I guess lured by, you know, the, the big city vibes of New York and, uh, you know, his partner, he's got a little one that, um, that they took up there as well. And um, I'm not too sure if Bus is going to, if he's around for next season or if he's back to Lyon, but right. I'm hoping there's going to be at least a little bit of crossover there. And, um, you know, I mean, I had some great years at Toulon uh, with Buster and um, I used to, I used to sit on the seat just in front of him. He was always in the back right corner of the, of the bus, as you could imagine. And all he would do, honestly, he would sit there with his iPad um, like we'd all be playing. So like an, there was an eight person table of poker going on on every trip that we were on. But Buster was just behind watching um, like Dragon Ball Z or something. Like, you know, like one of these cartoon um, animated games. Oh, not games, um, like cartoons. And he would just lean forward and just flick my ear for about eight hours. <laughs> just like flick. Like, so he just watch his thing just like this and just like flick my ear. So um, yeah, I got to, uh, I got to know Buster pretty well. So we, I hope that there is some crossover and, and, you know, I mean, I'm I'm not 100 percent certain, but geez, it'd be good to be able to play a, a few more games with him. And then there's um, uh, Nanu. Is Nanu still? He's in uh, San Diego as well. Yeah, yeah. So he's in San Diego. I'm not too thrilled about playing against him. No. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I thought those days were behind me. Uh, the last time I played him was, uh, you know, the World Cup final in 2015, and um, you know, from that moment on, I'd really only played alongside him, and that's how I liked it. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Maybe if. Uh, Maybe if I'm playing against San Diego, I might have, um, I don't know, some sort of soft tissue in, um, injury or maybe just a bit of a cork for that game and might give that one a miss. <laughs> where's, um, where, where'd you say um, Ashley Cooper, where's he, where's he signed? Well, he, he was going to, uh, to Austin. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, so I'm not too sure if he's going to, if it was uh, for next year or not. Um, I think he's still sort of undecided as well. Like he's just got a little... Um, little five-month-old boy as well and he's just weighing up whether he goes there and I know that the owner of Austin also owns the new LA franchise that'll come in I think next year mm-hmm. so it might mean that I don't know, maybe he pops up in LA he's probably a bit more suited to LA than Austin so mm. um, yeah. I don't know but I think he's look I, I think the, um, the thing is for 
people like myself, like the the lure of just going and playing in a, in a new competition that's starting. That's yeah. you know, like there's got it's got quite a lot of excitement behind it. A lot of people are interested in it, and not just I guess people, but you know, um, corporations and and TVs and that type of thing. They're you know pretty interested in how this thing goes. Um, so I guess the opportunity to be involved at, um, in the early stages of it is is one that really appeals to appeals to me and, and knowing Adam like I do it appeals to him as well and and uh, you know and speaking to guys like Ma um, you know and even and Paddy Ryan of former Waratahs prop that I play with he was also at San Diego for a number of years and and a few other guys up there like they can't speak highly enough of it so um, you know and each year it's just going to get better and better and um, I'm hoping before it gets too quick and too brutal that um, I can get a little a little bit of game time and then uh, and then start to sort of pull out before it gets too too crazy. But you look like you're handling okay. You played in a game. I don't know what the context was. Um, you were mic'd up, and the commentators were abusing you. And you were, you, oh, yeah. you put a hit <laughs> yeah. on uh, Radiki Samo as well. <laughs> oh look, I don't know if it was a hit necessarily, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. look, he's, he's a big fella. I mean, look, that was a, there's a game of, of sevens, um, you know, um, against the, the Fijian boys, and and I remember standing. Um, <clears throat> I, I was I remember standing in the tunnel. We'd done the we. We were just about to do the toss, and Radiki was the captain of their team, and and we were standing alongside these Fijian boys, and and uh, and I lost. Oh, sorry, I won the toss, and he said, "What would you like to do, kick or receive?" And I said, "We'd like to forfeit." So we we tried to forfeit <laughs> right at the start just by looking at these guys, but they they weren't having any of it, so we had to go out there. And um, yeah, I mean, look, I think for me, mate, I, I was never, I was never one that trained. I, I didn't really enjoy training. Um, you know, I was never sort of the one that was out there for hours on end doing extras and things like that. Like I, de- I definitely did enough to get myself prepared, but I wasn't the one that was like, uh, and I'm still not the, the type of guy that gets, you know, really excited about training and um, that type of thing. Um, I'll do what I have to, won't do more. Um, and, you know, anyone that I've played with will attest that, you know, I would whinge a fair bit. I would always say to my teammates that like whinging pays because especially with these strength and conditioning coaches, like, they're so worried about people getting soft tissue injuries like hamstring tears and stuff. So I just keep saying, I'll just keep going until you tear something and you just plant a seed in the S&C coach's head and all of a sudden a set of six would be cut down to a set of five and then all the teammates are coming up going, oh, thanks thanks for, thanks for shaving off a set for us. So um, in terms of training uh, post-retirement, I, I found myself in this sort of position where I'm like, like one that I'd never been in, you know, I'd never been to a public gym before. I'd never trained in an environment where there were females either because I went to an all-boys school straight into rugby, into rugby gym. So, you know, walking into, you know, Fitness First here at Bondi Junction, which is basically the Instagram, like, heaven (laughs) for everyone, right? Like, no one's even lifting. They're all just, like, capturing content. And there's all these women around and there's other guys that kind of like, you know, it would just sort of baffle me how they could be in there for 90 minutes and not walk out sweating. Um, Like, you know, I just couldn't get my head around it. And then I'd find myself as well just sort of going in there ticking some boxes because I didn't have like the motivation of getting, you know, trying to get the Jersey that meant something to me, not letting my teammates down. Obviously it was my job, um, you know, and getting myself prepared for a game. So I didn't have those motivations. So I had to find something else. And, um, you know, for the first year I basically committed to doing the New York marathon, but I'm again, like you could imagine someone who doesn't like training committing to do <laughs> yeah, yeah. long distance running who I'm not, you know, I'm just not a long distance runner by any means, but um, it just meant that I committed to something for a long period of time out so that um, I was kind of accountable for it. And, you know, sometimes when I'd be out in the drink on my Instagram and, you know, and I post something on the stories or something, someone would inbox me saying, oh, how's that in, 
how's that marathon training going? So <laughs> I'd get the guilts and the next morning I'd get up and I'd go for a run and, and whatever because I think the other part of that was, you know, trying to raise money for charity as well. Um, you know, like you can't sort of you can't sort of promote that you're going to do it and then, then uh, you know, sort of cower out of it. So, um, yeah, little things like that. I think just finding new ways to motivate yourself and, and finding ways to kind of stay active but then also understanding the importance of, um, you know, being active and, and staying active has with like your mental health and your productivity and all that sort of stuff. Um, I think, you know, when you go pretty much from school into a professional environment, you don't necessarily understand the importance that those sort of things have on other, um, other sort of other areas of your life. So, um, yeah, those were things that I was learning at 33, 34 years old and, you know, and to, to be fair, still learning as well. And with the, in my, with, with uh, I suppose, people moving on from playing rugby, right? Um, more naturally, players will go into coaching and, um, you know, whether it's S&C or whether it's uh, rugby coaching or analytics, the way you're talking there doesn't seem like you're, you'd be that, uh, inclined but i've heard you talk quite passionately about the organization and the business side of rugby um is that something that interests you especially going to the states which would probably be a lot more opportunity for for that kind of stuff uh, in that growing league yeah i mean i i think so i mean look i, I don't think i would like to be a coach i mean you know the amount of hours that coaches put in is yeah. you know it's just incredible i mean they're there for as many hours as as players are but they're also they they've got a you know like um, you know, sort of work out what the, the sessions are going to be, do all the, the video and the footage, and just, just so much of it. And I also just think, you know, lifestyle-wise, there's no real long-term coaches in rugby, you know. I mean, we've got four or five professional teams here in Australia that you can be a head coach for, for example. But you don't you, you don't see coaches really stay around for longer than two to four years at a, at a max, and then that means you're taking your family, perhaps internationally, somewhere else. Like, it's just, I don't know, for me, maybe I'm – giving myself too much credit, you know, thinking that far ahead in terms of, you know, like getting one of those jobs in the first place. But that type of lifestyle, having done that for a long period of time as a player, didn't really appeal to me. Um, but as I spent so many more years, um, you know, as a player in and around the organisation and start to understand, um, you know, the impact of you know, the marketing and the engagement with the community and, and all these different sort of facets of what actually makes an organisation, a rugby team work, um, I think you sort of start to get a bit of an understanding of um, of some of those areas, and 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 also start to formulate your own sort of ideas and opinions around it. And um, you know, and one thing that we're also really um, exposed to as as athletes and professional players is is good communicators. Um, you know, I just think you know, in in some of my experiences post footy. Um, things could just be done so much more effectively and efficiently if people were just like, were just honest. And I think maybe it's, it's because the environments that we were in for so long is you got immediate critical, like feedback, but quite blunt as well, like quite personal, quite blunt in front of other people. It was from, it was from your coaches in a team meeting. It was from your peers, sometimes like in the moment on the field and you had to remove emotion from it. You had to, you know, you got those, um, you got called out in a team meeting and you couldn't be emotional about it. It was just like, okay, that's what I did. This is what I was thinking at the time. I, you know, and you take, you accept responsibility and you work out a solution as to how you get past that. And I, I think in, you know, and then there's, outside of that, there's also commentary. Um, commentators would give, basically give feedback to others, um, journalists, and then now um, everyone on social media as well. So I think um, in some ways, um, you know, we're, we're really well, 
we're really comfortable in, in receiving feedback and, and perhaps giving it. But what I've also started to learn as well is, um, is there's a way to deliver it in outside of rugby as well. I mean, because people aren't necessarily as, as comfortable receiving some pretty blunt um, feedback as perhaps I would be. Um, you have to be obviously pretty sensitive around that, you know, not everyone's going to be the same and receives it the same or, or can deliver it the same. So, um, yeah, I mean, all those little things, I think that at the time you probably don't know that it's setting you up, um, you know, for skills and, and different things for, for life after footy. But then once you're sort of in this um, situation, you can really see where some things that you've learned as a player can really transfer into, um, into the real world, whether that be in um, the, the business um, corporate side of things um, or, you know, if, if, if you go down sort of to the coaching analytics side of stuff as well. You know, with that in mind, there's, um, <clears throat> there's not a lot of rugby going on in the world at the moment, but uh, and I don't think a lot of Irish people would be aware of what's going on in Australia um, with uh, Railing Castle, the, the CEO recently stepping down and um, a group of former captains have, uh, Wallaby captains have set up a, um, a f- well, I don't know, is it a focus group or or some sort of a, a, a group that have, I suppose, to, to lend their weight in behind what direction um, the RU yeah. should go in. Um, what are your thoughts on, the, on where, you know, I suppose the current state of Australian rugby and, and what um, what direction would you like to see it going? Um, look, I mean, I, I think, you know, it's pretty easy to see at the moment that, um, you know, the, it, it's pretty divided, I think, in Rugby Australia at the moment um, and has been for a little while. We've been going, unfortunately, we've been going through too many different issues off the field. Um, also, at the same time, not been getting the results that we've wanted on the field as well. So kind of almost this, this last 18 to 24 months, everything's been pretty negative um, around any sort of dialogue or, or commentary on, on rugby in Australia. And we're in a really competitive market with, you know, rugby league, Aussie rules, um, soccer and, you know, and cricket as well in our, in our summer sports. Um, so it's, it's, it's difficult for us as a sport, um, you know, when we are the fourth football code in Australia and everything that we're hearing at the moment and, and certainly in the, in the um, I guess, the most recent um, history is, is all been negative, whether it been the comments around, you know, the Israel flower made and how long that was drawn out for and then the issues... Um, you know, at the World Cup when we had a selection panel with Scott Johnson come in and how um, Michael Checker and Raylene Castle didn't see eye to eye and then now the TV right stuff and then this this letter from former captains effectively pushing Raylene Castle out, like that's what they called for and then two days later um, she handed in a resignation. So, um, look, I was disappointed with how that happened. I, I think I think those, those players, I've got a great level of respect for each and every one of them, but I... I think what they tried to do was show leadership and in, in I think the opposite happened. Um, you know, they, they, were, they were unhappy with how things were going with the current uh, leadership of Rugby Australia, Raylene, Class, Raylene Castle included. And so they basically just wrote a letter calling for her to, to resign and, or for, them, for, them, for her to be moved on. And, but they, in, that, in that letter, um, there weren't too many solutions. There weren't too many ideas about how Rugby Australia should move forward and, other than just get rid of her. Um, I just think as well, like as going back to what we were talking about before as a player, I just think that any one of those 11 captains in their time as a captain of the Wallabies, if there had been a collection of players in their team that weren't happy with the captain's captaincy or his leadership, the coach or the game plan, 
had that collection of players just written a letter and gone to the media to deal with it, I don't think those captains would have been particularly happy with it. Those types of things need to be dealt with in-house, inside closed doors with, you know, just those ears. Nothing needs, you know, I think the moment you start, you get to a point where you need to leak things to the media. I don't think you have a really strong case or, or the case is not necessarily um, for the best intentions. So I, I think if, you know, I would have liked, perhaps it's hindsight now, but I would have liked to have seen them go into Rugby Australia and say, look, this is the expertise, this is the leadership, this is the ideas that we can offer you. We're here to give it to you. Uh, if you choose to take it, then great. And if not, then perhaps look at other ways. But, um, again, it's my understanding that didn't happen until now. Obviously, they're going to meet with, they're meeting with Paul McLean, uh, the interim sort of uh, president of the board, to discuss what, the, what it is. But I just think, you know, I mean, there's a lot of chat in, in our media here about Raylene Castle and the bullying that she's copped and um, mm. the unfair sort of scrutiny that she's been um, placed under. Look, I don't, I'm not in a position to judge whether she's been good at her job or not. Like, I'm not that... I'm not smart enough for that. There are people that are above my pay grade to make those decisions. So I won't factor into that. I just think that the the, the optics of it all just look really bad. Um, and again, in a time where our game's been in the press for too long for the wrong reasons, I just think we just added another reason for people to think badly about our game. And it just, yeah, as I said, the optics just weren't great. Yeah. Timing wise isn't great as well, is it? Like at this, you know, it's. I suppose they, she's probably done quite a lot of work, and um, and with with everything going on at the moment, it's. Uh, I don't know. It just seemed yeah. a bit weird. It seemed a bit weird when I saw it. Um, well, I mean, from all I understand, and, my understanding is that they're pretty far down down the line with um, TV rights deals and 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 signing. So uh, again, this is you know just from what I've heard, uh, they're, they're perhaps a, a week away from signing with Optus <clears> to be the new broadcaster. And then obviously um, COVID-19 happened and things got put on hold and, and excuse me, now I just, I've, I've read something today that um, uh, Optus aren't in a position really to, to, to jump back into those um, in. contract negotiations at least for another 12 months or so. So again, it's just, you know, some of it is unfortunate timing. Some of it can't, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have mattered who the CEO was. You know, no one was to predict this, this pandemic and the impact that it was going to have on not just rugby, but, you know, economies and, and all sorts of things around the world. So, um, yeah, some of it is unfortunate. Some of it's also, you know, bad timing. Um, but, you know, again, we've just got to make sure that we move forward. And, but we've just got to get together and make sure that the game kind of goes in the right direction and we're not getting pulled in different directions from different people. On a positive note, I suppose Dave Rennie moving in. Um, he's done some huge uh, things with Glasgow up here. And, uh, you know, we'll, He's he's got a, a lot of respect in the game. Is he? Uh, is there a lot of excitement with him? I know there's a lot of players that have moved on in the last six months since the World Cup. A lot of players going overseas. Some yeah. people hanging up their boots for the, for the last time. Is there is there a lot of exciting young players in in Australia that we can look forward to seeing under David Rennie? Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, there's there's been a little bit of chat, if I'm being honest, about um, now that Raylene Castle's gone, will Dave Rennie go? Obviously, both both the Kiwis and and apparently. Raylene had a big part in, um, you know, in, in him signing uh, with the Wallabies. So we're hoping that he still goes through with it and, uh, and he is our, our coach because, um, you know, like you say, he's got some genuine runs on the board and everyone's looking forward to, to what he can bring and the style of rugby that, um, you know, that our guys are going to play in the gold jersey. So um, as you mentioned, there's a few guys that have moved on. I think that there was just recently a player of interest list um, uh, released. Uh, so there's some, some notable omissions on that. 
it certainly doesn't mean to say that they, they won't be sort of um, considered at some point. But, um, you know, in the first sort of, what was it, six rounds of Super Rugby, um, some players put their hands up more than others. And um, the good thing is our under-20 program last year and the last couple of years has been going quite strong. Um, you know, under-20s lost the World Cup final uh, against France over in Argentina. Uh, we beat the Junior All Blacks in the Oceana series before that. So there's some good young guys coming through. Um, but again, it's, you know, I mean, it's just about sort of managing those players, you know. It's, it's you know, it, back when back when sort of I started, same as you, Trims, it would have been, you know, when I, when I was in my first squad, I was one of maybe two, like, young guys, 20 to 23-year-olds. And there was a lot of senior players around that really sort of molded the team and the culture. Now it seems across the world, the, the the age has almost shifted. There's only sort of two or three older guys, 28 and above, you know. I mean, so like there's been a real shift in terms, and that could be because of, you know, physique and, and players' capabilities physically, or it could just be, um, you know, a change of mindset and mentality. Certainly down here in the Southern Hemisphere, you know, once you're 28, 29, you're sort of almost tagged as, as an old guy. Um, whereas, you know, when I went to Toulon, it was quite, I mean, Toulon, we were all pretty old, so um, it was a bit different, yeah. but. I, I think they they sort of they're not uh, opposed to sort of you know seeing players really play out their careers and and you know for as long as it is that their bodies um, allow them to rather than sort of sort of look at their age and just say it's okay, okay it's time to move you on so um, but there are some really good players coming through um, but yeah it's just about sort of um, you know sort of nursing them and managing them through these early years because um, you know whilst they might be able cap- um, you know capably capable physically. It's also the mental side of things. We've got to make sure these guys don't lose confidence if they're thrown in too early or, or just sort of their rugby nous as well. We've got to really harness that. Yeah, it's tough for, for young people. Like um, young fellas coming through, if they've got no one to look up to, like if mm. like the, the likes of like the, the role of Johnny Sexton in Leinster, for example, you can see it. He creates yeah. a tone. And then all the young fellas coming through, if they didn't have that, then they would kind of be looking to each other and they'd be kind of scrambling for leadership. But you've got someone there like Johnny, um, he just yeah. leads the way. Um, it's depressing enough now. Whenever, whenever I finished, um, we had a poor, se- really poor season on off the pitch. Lo- lose the turmoil. They got rid of me. They got rid of Tommy. They got rid of yeah. Chris Henry, and right. it was just the perfect balance. Getting rid of the dead wood. So it was. Pretty- <laughs> 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 there's a balance. There's a balance to be struck, and um, we got it wrong my final year. And then they got it right, so it's 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 just about getting that balance of young fellas, and then just having that yeah. role model to look up to. Yeah, that's it, mate. Like, and it's also the, the type of senior player as well. You know, some some are better at harnessing and, and really nurturing those younger guys, and and some are sort of just better at sort of staying within and just you know taking care of their own game and that type of thing as well. It just depends on on the character of the person and, and how much they're um, they're equipped and, and willing to kind of give to some of the young guys and. You know, it's 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 about um, being able to bounce back. You know, not every game like it's almost like today. Like you know, we're talking about not every day is going to get better than the next. It's the same mm-hmm. as your game. Like you're not going to every game that you play is not going to be better than the one from before. It's just it just doesn't go that way. But it's about how you can um, you can sort of accept that, take away the good, learn from the bad, and sort of almost mm-hmm. shelve it and park it because you know the more you hang on to those things, uh, the more likely that the next performance is going to be a negative one. Mm-hmm. Um, did did either of you come across each other much, or I suppose you would both have had to come across each other? Did you play against each other many times? Uh, I, yeah. I, I made my debut against against you guys. Ah, yeah, what, when was what that? Year was that? Two thousand and five. Okay, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, well, that was my first year as well. Oh yeah, mine was in 
July, I think, in 2005 here in mm-hmm. Oz before, in the, in the July test before we went up to, or June test, whatever, uh, before we went uh, up, uh, up, up north. How, yeah. did, you, did, you, did you mark each other, can you remember? No, I was playing thirteen. As um, that was the that was the autumn after Draco got um, got ditched in the Lions. Oh uh, right, yeah, okay. uh, yeah. So I, so I was playing thirteen. Advantage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, mm-hmm. Against uh, Takiri was thirteen. Yeah, you were. You oh, must yeah. have been on the wing. You and Mark yeah. Gerrard, maybe. Yeah, perhaps. And then I think Latho at fullback. Yeah, yeah. Was that at Lansdowne Park? Yeah, Lansdowne Road or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I enjoyed playing there because I mean I think that might have been. Would that would have. That might have been my last game there, actually. Before it, um, when, when was the last time um, yeah. we played there? Um, we were a croak then for two thousand and seven, so it must yeah, be yeah. Two, so maybe it would have one, been, yeah, one more would have year. Been the last one, yeah, because yeah, um, well, two thousand and six, I didn't get picked for the Wallabies the whole season, so I had a pretty lean year. I uh, politics. I got ten in. I got ten in my first year, and then I think um, I think that lack of training kind of caught up on me, and I got I got no test in the two, in the second year of my uh, of my. I think career, I play. But, I think I played you in, a, in, a, in an A match in Thoman Park. Were you playing in that okay. game? Yeah, I would have. Uh, I, yeah. I think that was 2006. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That's pretty much all I got out on, uh, on in 2006 was the A games. A dirty Tuesday night in Limerick. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I do remember that. I remember, yeah, yeah, no, I, that, there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, many, many years ago. I'm, I don't have the greatest recollection of games, to be honest. And um, yeah, so some, some things I remember, but others, others not so much. Yeah, the only yeah. couple of things I remember from the the game at Lansdowne Road was, and and we were we were back and forth on Twitter about this, but my kind of fake dive whenever I realised you were too fast. <laughs> yeah, I did that against Chris. I did that against Chris Ashton as well. Yeah, that's, that's that was that, the, I do. Yeah. yeah. Oh yes, yeah. The, the length of the field yeah. one. Yeah. yeah well, I, I was like, I, I feel like I get unfairly judged on that. I came from the right side, come across, and then I had to turn and burn. And I, uh, but yeah, look. Um, yeah, the, I, I remember that game in 2005. I was wearing um, a long sleeve, um, you know, like undergarment, like a skins top or whatever, um, in the first half. And and I remember, and I remember going into halftime, and Eddie Jones wasn't a very happy camper at that point. And uh, and he goes, Drew, are you even fucking out on the field, mate? And I went, Oh, <laughs> you're like, what do you say to that? And he goes, It's because you got fucking long sleeves on, mate. No one's ever played a good game with long sleeves on. And so I um. I reluctantly went in because, you know, I'm, I'm out in the wing, you know, I get cold out there. So I, that's why I had the long sleever on, but I reluctantly went in and, and I took the long sleever off and I scored two tries in the second half. Uh. And, uh, and he comes up to me after the game, he goes, see, mate, fucking long sleeves. That ain't <laughs> like, oh. yeah, so I, um, yeah, so I, I kind of, I don't know, I guess so. You like um, you you must have had a thing for a slightly unusual get up. I remember seeing you um, in Toulon. And you were standing out in the wing, and to be fair, like you weren't doing a whole pile. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you were wearing a pair of like high top um, Under Armours. They were, yeah, they must yeah. have gone up to your knees, like these massive boots. <laughs> yeah, I wore them out as well after the game. But um, no, I was um, I, I was wearing them at just training because you know it's a bit of a slu- bit a bit sludgy in it um, at our training center, and and then the boys are just like, mate, give them a go on the on the game, and I was like, yeah, whatever, like what, like yeah. Whatever you'll do, do what it. you want until um, then. Yeah, yeah, do it. Well, mate, like in the Heineken Cup final against the Saracens, I got these like, you know, when those um those yellow Nikes came out where they had like the, the knitted sock. Oh um, yeah, you know, yeah. those like sort of the first year that they came out. Well, I got a pair of those the night before the game, but they were they're a full size too big for me. So 
but I still wanted to wear them, so I just wore another like another pair of footy socks over the top and wore these <laughs> these boots that were like too big for me. Oh, you said you're gonna wear you, you wore two pairs of boots on top of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they weren't quite that big, but yeah. They, I mean, even even with the, like you know a couple of pairs of footy socks on, I still had a good like I don't know like a thumb width long. I you know like a spare space at the end of my boot. Um, but yeah, luckily we got we got away with the win on that one, so it was alright. That's hilarious, man. Jesus. Um, all right. Well, look, we've, uh, I think we've kept you long enough, man. You've, um, we actually have Matt Gitto coming on the house of rugby UK this week. Um, oh, nice. yeah. Any good, uh, any good bit of, bit of banter for the lads to get him on? Oh, we won't put oh, you on the spot. Oh, he's got something. There's something. He's got yeah. something. Oh, yeah. he, just, <laughs> he just ruled it out. <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to think of like, what do you actually go along with though? But, um, Maybe yeah. I'll text you guys if I if I can think of something. Good yeah, man, nice good man. Um, and look, give our give our love to James Kennedy in New York as well, because uh, we're yeah, due we'll uh, we're due a live um, broadcast from Manhattan at some point as well. Okay, we'll make sure uh, make sure that happens. I'm I'm pretty sure he's upset because the uh, St. Patrick's Day parade got cancelled as well this year. So um, that's right, float and everything ready. So. Um, yeah, well, uh, would you believe I was supposed to be in Sydney for St. Patrick's Day? Um, oh, right. in man in Manly in the Hotel Stein, you know, yeah, it? yeah, 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 it's a good spot, is it? Good crack, yeah, no, it's not too bad. And uh, yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm actually, I, I quite enjoy uh, a Guinness, so I might have to, uh, I might have to go down to my local bottle, load, not, uh, not, not out because all our pubs are shut, but I might have to go to the local uh, bottle shop and get a couple tomorrow and, uh, and. Have one in your honour, fellas. Love Thank it. You. Look, Drew, thanks so much, man. Keep the painting up. Um, That's it. And send us a private link, a big boy, Barry. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to see that as well. Uh, I'll see how I go. I don't know if I've got enough paint for him. <laughs> 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 All right, fellas. All right, no man, look after you yourself. Yeah, Drew. Right, Thank you, man. Cheers. See Take you care. You're listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Okay, we're back for part four. Um, Trimby, I was doing one of Pat's uh, Joe.ie quizzes there in the meantime. Um, he keeps putting up these soccer quizzes, these football quizzes of naming old-fashioned soccer players. I got 13 out of 20, Pat. That's not bad. That's decent, very decent. Yeah, he said 16 above was exceptional, so I'm happy enough for that. Yeah. Um, it's been a long episode. Right. It's been it a long like, episode, it, man. It, it feels like we're just going to finish recording and then just... It'll be next Monday again, and we'll just start just start again. <laughs> Intro the next yeah. episode. Yeah, exactly. Uh, two brilliant guests. Thanks so much to to Drew Mitchell and to Alton Delan. And now we've got to rush through our two films, our film and our album. Um, our film was recommended to us by a penguin whose name I cannot remember. Can you? No, Peter penguins. Bird. I think penguins should remain nameless anyway. <laughs> <laughs> We're all a part of the wheel, the cog of the wheel. Um, all right. Well, it was Midnight Run. You uh, seem to very much enjoy it. Robert De Niro and the other lad, um, basically a bounty hunter in uh, Chicago. He's given about three days to get, um, to collect a bounty. Um, what was his name? Good one, was it? The Duke. The Duke, Duke. is his name. He's mm-hmm. got to get the Duke and he's got to get him from New York City back to LA by Friday night. Um, I didn't realize until about halfway through that this was actually a comedy um, because it's 
you look like with that puzzled face you know that you're just working this out right now no 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 i, I my one of the points that i was going to make was that literally four or five minutes into it it dawned on me that it was a comedy and and i was like i, I didn't see it coming because it's de niro it's when would this would this have been in around taxi driver uh this was 89 i think 88 89 so uh Oh, it's a good 10 years after Taxi Driver. I'd say. Oh, really? Okay. <clears throat> he, it's, so the, the first scene he starts up by, he's going after this guy, picks the lock, the guy shoots a hole in the, in the, in the door, he goes after him. And it's, it's, it's gritty enough. Like it's, I thought it was going to be a tense, um, uh, I thought it was going to be a, a, like a, a tense sort of a thriller. And then, and then the soundtrack is the big giveaway. <laughs> I don't know how it took you halfway through the movie to realize the soundtrack just changes the tone completely. It's it's not a million miles from Beverly Hills Cop. It just kicks yes. in. You're like, these guys yeah. are having a good time as well. I feel like it's there's a guy just at home with an electric guitar and maybe a little um, drum, drum loop machine just watching yeah. the scenes and, and, and like jamming over it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with it has guitar that plugged into a cat. um for me it was the slags when they start calling each other they just abuse the shit out of each other for the whole thing like um and especially the gangsters are calling each other dummies and stuff like that there was a couple of pecker breaths in there and motherfuckers and stuff like that um and then the they really kicked in for me when there was like so many people knocked out with punches um like every time someone punched they'd be like immediately asleep um, can you imagine if that was happening in rugby like if there was like that many <laughs> imagine the HIAs that these lads must have well, imagine one Pat of them the, sec- off. <laughs> the second bounty hunter gets knocked out about 10 times I'm like Jesus this fella I enjoyed I like the character the the the, the two goons like the, there's one who kind of knows his stuff and then the other guy the taller guy he was he was just there for comedic value um, yeah, you, you, uh, exclusively comedic value because the other guy's on the phone and it's quite. It, he's talking to what do you call the gang, the, the head gangster? What's he called? Serrano. Oh, he's Serrano. On the phone to Serrano. Serrano's threatening him, and he's Dennis Farina. It's a tense, it's a tense conversation, and his mate is like, "Ooh, shadow boxing in the background." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think a lot of that stuff was uh, was all done off the cuff. Um, apparently a lot of the, the scenes between uh, De Niro and uh, the Duke were all kind of ad lib um, which makes it even more funny because they're both intense kind of characters also the cars my car, I wish my car skidded like it did in the 80s mm. my car going around the corner it was just like even it wasn't even going that fast um, and the lack of mobile phones obviously quite interesting do you know if you uh, if you're dialing a number um can you, this might be a stupid question, but can you, can you, if you were, can you hear the, what numbers are being dialed by the tone of the button being pressed? You, know I mean? I, you mean like if I heard the noise, would I know what? Does every, does every button have a different num- noise? I think so. Yeah. Beep, 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 beep. So if you recorded I mean, back it. Back then, you, not now. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking if you recorded, like, would you be, would you know what? And listen carefully, you'd know what number is being dialed. Cause there's a good few times where they're trying to find numbers and stuff like that. Look, it's it's not important, Andrew. It's just something that that I got into, um, and that again, again <laughs> if anyone, any of our penguins out there know the answer to that question, let me know. Uh, but yeah, hilarious film. I'd highly recommend it. You? Oh yeah, I loved it. And and again, it's the same things happened to me quite a bit with Groundhog Day as well. Um, 
or no, mm. uh, 28 Days Later as well, I, I, I realized I've seen bits of it. That happens a lot with older films and it doesn't happen anymore because no one just sits down and just catches the end of a movie and then runs off and gets dinner or like everybody sits down to watch a movie on Netflix. You specifically switch on that movie because you have uh, you've set that time aside to watch that specific movie. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, it was a different time. So I, then I realized kind of halfway through, I've seen bits of this. The, again, the car, the car chases were brilliant. The car chases were there. It reminded me of a little bit of um, Blues Brothers, the Blues Brothers car chases. Yeah, again, just cop cars just slipping and falling. Those cop cars, like they, like, one bump in the road and they're already on their there. back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They don't invest in their in their um, their kind of the cars that the, the government, the police. I would actually love to have worked in a nineteen eighties police department. Now that you mention it, because there's so many of them. They do fuck all. They're sitting sitting around wearing pretty slick suits. Mm. Always the lads in the background are just sitting on desks, kind of chatting, having a cup of coffee, smoking a fag. Mm. All of them wearing sunglasses all the mm. time. Every table has got that many uh, documents sitting on it. No one's doing any of those. No any of that work. It. They're just chatting, and there's always be striking deals. Like there was never it was never about the letter, of the law. They were never throwing the book at you. It was always yeah. like, I go on, sure, it'd be grand. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. No, Robin, Robin, Fa- like be robbing fags off the prisoners and stuff like that. Yeah, um, that'll be I'll be all over that. All right, quickly we we'll move on to Justified by Justin Timberlake, and I'm going to justify it. Um, the only thing I have to say is that people just need to go listen to it. It's a it was a beautiful R and B album. Um, obviously at the time when Justin Timberlake came out, he was considered part of NSYNC and it was like, oh, it's Justin Timberlake, um, uh, which I was probably in, included in that. He was going mm-hmm. out with Britney Spears. He, he had to win He's, people over. Yeah, and he, and he knew that. He knew that this needed to be good. So he went and got Timbaland to produce half of it. He got the Neptunes, who'd be Pharrell and what was the other lad's name? Chad Hugo to produce the other half and you can quite, quite distinctly hear the difference in their sounds um, but there's just I mean there's a good five or six pretty shite songs that I presume might grow on you um, but there's just some bangers man like Senorita do you remember yeah. Senior, Senorita like when that came on the club when you were in 2002 when you were like pure wanting to grind up on someone <laughs> um, I'd imagine you Maybe not you, but me. Maybe wearing a one of those bucket hats. That's what that's what Timberlake used to wear at the time. Do you remember those fish? Oh yeah, hats? yeah, like um, yeah. yeah, like a like a like a one you put over a kettle or like a, a teapot. <laughs> no, no, it was actually like a like a it was almost like a festival going. It wasn't a woolly one. It was like a bucket hat. So it was almost like a it had a had a lip, like a bowler hat. Them? <laughs> Nah, you'd know it if you saw Kevin and Perry used to wear them. They're very much this this era, and like one of those little. Uh, Oh yeah, go go tee things that went straight down yeah. the line. Mm. Just listening to Senorita, can you tell my smile? Yeah. Um, just walk, walk, doing rounds of the club, trying to score. Listening to that, just listen to it, close your eyes, you'll be back there. He won us over, to be fair. Um, and he reminds me a little bit. So he had zero street cred when he was in NSYNC and he was dating Britney Spears, and then he mm. just changed his life around. He's like a he's like a kid that goes to university and just says, you know what. I'm working with NERD and um, and Timberlake, <laughs> Timberland. <Brand>. Mm. <laughs> Tim- Timberlake's a furniture um, shop. If he'd gone there, <laughs> he would have been back restarted. <laughs> but um, I, um, he reminds me a little bit. Channing Tatum did something similar. So he was step up. He was like rom coms, and then he did 
21 Jump Street. And all of a sudden, everyone went, this guy's funny and cool. And mm. then ne- his next step from there was a Tarantino movie. He did Hateful Eight. That's <laughs> right. It was a similar model. He was like, stuff this. No more Britney Spears dancing for me. I'm you know what? Life I think you're right. I think uh, what, not only did Timber, Justin Timberlake get involved with like Timberland and, and the Neptunes and stuff, he he started doing the the piss take songs with um, Andy Samberg. Do you remember like, it's my dick in a box. Yeah, you got my dick in a box. I, seen that song? I love Andy oh. Samberg as well. Yeah, they released like a, a load of songs where they, but they're quite, very similar to all of Justin Timberlake's kind of shit songs in this album. Like he's a song called Take It From Me Here, I think. And uh, it's like going on about being a lake or something. I'm a lake, you're a tree. I just want to be your man in the lake or something. It's such bullshit. I mean, then you kind of feel like he's taking the piss out of himself a couple of years later when he does that with Andy Samberg. So you forgive him for those tunes. But then you get to Cry Me A River and like that is... I just want to listen to that on repeat, on repeat, on repeat. What mm. a tune. That, and led the reason actually a rab- that led me down a rabbit hole, the Crimea River. So I spent, I, I wanted to spend half an hour, an hour, like looking at the album, watching his old music videos. I used to love the one with any um, the one where he's like dancing in the gym. Um, it wasn't Senorita. It was another one. I can't remember. Um, rock, rock, rock with me. Rock with me. What's that called? Ian? Rock no. your body. No, no, no. That was NSYNC. Is it not? I thought it was Backstreet Boys. <laughs> no, it wasn't. This was, it was him. Uh, anyway, I went down a rabbit hole and I spent half an hour and I just, I just wanted to find out what went wrong with him and Britney. <laughs> I was like, please. Yeah. I watched about five interviews and never got to the bottom of it. Well, this is the reason I picked it because she came out and tweeted the other day saying she tweeted uh, this album and was like, I know it's water under the bridge this time or whatever. What happened between us? Yeah. She said with a limerick accent. She said, yeah, but fuck me. That's so mild. I swear to God. I swear to God. Fair play to Justin. And uh, he tweeted back like a peace sign and a smiley face or something. Oh, so they've nice. obviously, they've come to terms and she's right. It's a banger of an album. And even though Cry Me a River, which is about her and their relationship breaking down mm. and he's creeping around her house in the video and stuff. And he's riding someone on, the, on, on her bed. It's all good. She's down with it. So yeah, have a listen to it. Skip through some of the garbage songs or else have a laugh and then listen to, to Andy Sandberg um, and himself. Mm, Lonely Island, up. I think. Lonely Island. All right, that is so many. We've got to get to Penguin of the Week quickly though. Um, so many time, I mean. Um, <clears throat> the House of Rugby Facebook is exploding and continues to grow. So With artists. Yeah. What was the latest artist? Art Attack we had. Yeah, so it was um, Tim Bergen. Oh. Yeah, Tim Bergen put together a um, like a cartoon <laughs> cartoon of me walking along minding my own business, quite long arms, uh, and then um, falling through a pothole <laughs> into like a like a like an underworld of uh, of penguins, um, and then realizing that it was all a dream. And I wake up in bed next to you. You're asleep with your guitar. <laughs> I do sleep with my guitar. Yeah, just in case anyone wants a. An unplugged in bass solo at five o'clock in the morning. I'm there. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And then the penguins. And there's a lot of penguins. The penguins are <laughs> hanging up behind our bed. Oh, that, that actually happened one time. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Ah, I love your screams. Uh, and the pothole is it's brilliant. And the name, like, is uh, what's it called? Potholes and Penguins. Fantastic. <laughs> yes. yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Tim Bergen, you are Penguin of the Week, I think. Is he? Brilliant. Tim Bergen, fair play to you. Yeah. 
A shout out again to our Hall of Famer, Mark Hill, who's trying to raise 200 euro for Irish Cancer Society with his amazing art. Needs to put her, put together a great poster of Axel Foley um, that you can all download in return. He's looking for whatever kind of donation you can. So please check that out on our Facebook page. And that is about it, I'd say. Um, yeah, this has been Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby here on Joe together with Guinness. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to everyone for helping putting this show together. To Pat, to Paul, to Dermid, to Anthony, to all of you. Party on. Party on. You were listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Drink responsibly. Visit drinkaware.ie for the facts.